You are in tune to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us, and we are here at the House of Blues on Disney property talking to Devo. This is Jerry from Devo, and I want you to go ahead and Josh from Devo. I want you guys go ahead and say hello to uh, the KUCI listening audience. KUCI, I am glad I'm here. It's good to be back. Great. Um, you know, I want to begin by trying to identify exactly what Devo is, who Devo are. I've heard Devo described as academic philosophers, as simple clowns, as intentionally geeky, and as purveyors of provocative commentaries. How would you describe Devo? Yeah, that almost all of that. One of my favorites were, were um, it was in an interview, um, and it was it was a put down uh, in, in the Melody Maker magazine. They called us a thinking man's kiss. And I thought that was so funny. And then another interviewer in Melody Maker called us Nazi clowns, which I thought, that's so great combining Nazis with clowns, you know, because on the one hand, they're attributing to us immense evil and immense ability to plan, because if, if for nothing else, the Nazis had a plan. And then clowns, absolute fools and entertainers, right? So that. I like that dichotomy and duality because Devo always dealt with the fact that man is an absurd creature and that duality is at the heart of his nature and that is exactly what all literature is about. It's exactly what all the drama is about. Is that, like, what was it? Who, Alexander Pope, created half to rise and half to fall. You know, absolutely true. There's, uh, man has capacity to do tremendous things, unbelievable things, and then a more ev evil capacity than any other creature alive on the planet. And in fact, it's the only animal out of harmony with the rest of nature, because it's the only one that sits around and contemplates existentially its own position in the universe rather than being there in the moment. So it's, we, we found it hard to do anything except deal with the absurdity and, and throw in humor, and mostly self-effacing humor, because we were trying to tell people Look, if you admit you don't know what you're talking about, if you admit that there's things you don't know, then there's a lot of things that will eliminate you from doing. In other words, that's wisdom. So if you, if you know that you don't know, there's a whole lot of things you'll stop doing. But can people stop doing that? No. And what do we see today? More than ever in the 21st century, when we need it the least, there's ideologues from every fundamentalist denomination in the world taking over, turning the world upside down, and, and removing democracy, it's moving backwards. There's really de-evolution. And I want to get to some of those, those themes, but I want to just explore the, the, uh, the idea of frivolity or, or humor uh, in Devo for a minute. There seems to be this kind of duality where um, if you use humor or parody, you could get away with a hell of a lot more than if you just came out and sucker punched a politician. Uh, shows like The Simpsons, Saturday Night Live, and so forth, uh, where you have uh, Tony Blair, Rudy Giuliani, and, and, and um, Janet Reno actually appearing on such programs. Um, at the same time, does that undermine the fact that, uh, undermine the seriousness of the message? Not in your intent, but do you find it hard for people to take you seriously or to get the message when you've got the red hats and so forth. Let's put it this way. If they took us seriously, we would probably have never, ever gotten out of Akron because we would have been, we would have 
uh, uh, come under the same kind of scrutiny and same kind of attacks as people, any, any people that you see that tell the truth. In other words, we... After 9-11, <laughs> yeah. his show was gone, right. or he wasn't funny anymore, or Lenny Bruce, or, or, any, or, or Martin Luther King, or anybody who was ever assassinated, we would be objects of assassination. And, and, and we, we understand that, you know, brackets of humor allow a socially acceptable criticism of mainstream culture in a capitalist society. That's, and, and yet it, that serves a purpose. I mean, people that read The Onion, people that watch The Daily Show, people that liked early Saturday Night Live, they all got it. We all were human in the sense of humane, and we, we were suffering the idiots who were making misery for the rest of the planet. And that, that's really the guiding rule. It's like, which leaders, which people in power are taking an already tragic situation, which is life and death, where people are already sick and already experiencing all kinds of pain, psychological and physiological and economic. Who, who exploits that and makes it worse and who tries to make it better? That's what it comes down to. Who has a vision, who's trying to help and who's trying to hurt? And we're, we're contributors, we're not parasites, and the people that, on those programs are great creative people and they know very well there's a line. And if you cross the line, you'll lose your voice in the marketplace and you may lose your life. And at the same time, as you mentioned, uh, The Onion is, is more truthful than uh, the New York Times, Washington absolutely. Post. Absolutely, absolutely. If, if you want an antidote to the no spin zone in Bill O'Reilly, read The Onion. Well, for the record, let's just make sure that all listeners get Devo so that they don't get caught up in the whip it and all this other stuff. Tell our listeners the theory of devolution. Well, when we were growing up in Ohio and uh, reached that point where you either do something with your life or just become an endless consumer, uh, we, we started seeing patterns and looking for a way to describe them and, and label them, you know, to, to, to make it all make sense. And uh, of course that involved kind of uh, posturing and, and schoolboy hoax stuff, but it also was based on a lot of things we were picking up in, in legitimate uh, scientific research and so on that in, in the ensuing years has become more and more uh, what's the word, scientifically validated. Because we found these books that they said, look, these, these books, then uh, the truth about de-evolution, knowledge can be eaten, how man started through cannibalism, this was a quack book, right? And yet the thesis was that the best explanation for why we are like we are was that we, we were mutant strain of cannibalistic primates. And there were, and, and they laid out scientific reasons why this was true. And of course, it could never be proven. But now, right now, on the internet, you can find m new scientific research that is actually pointing right back towards that. And it has something to do with prions. And you can find references to it on the internet. And now it's legitimate scientific research. Thirty years after this guy, Oscar Mayarth, wrote this book, and we we thought, you know, that's perfect. You know. There's all these idiot right-wing Christians that believe literally in the Bible, and there's all these good, humane liberals that believe religiously in, in um, Darwin's theories. But what we saw in terms of human behavior, neither, neither of those added up. One was true science but flawed, and one has nothing to do with science and has everything to do with political interpretation. 
And so we thought, ha, 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 de-evolution. That's the explanation of what we're seeing today. There's not linear progress. Man isn't on an ever upward swing up the stairs to heaven. It goes back and forth and all knowledge is lost and knowledge comes back again and people are no smarter now than they ever were. And as a matter of fact, there were higher points in history where people knew more, even with less instrumentation and technology, they knew more than they do now. What we were seeing is people that were losing the ability as a, as a culture, as a huge mass of people, to process information, to analyze information, to understand what the meaning of the information was because it was almost working inversely to the amount of information where they wanted more and more and more to be told what to do. They wanted it to be Big Brother. They wanted it to be like Animal Farm where it's sound bites and every day the rules on the side of the barn change and nobody can remember what they did say. And if you do, you're called out and you've made a target. And I, I see that more than ever. And is, is that what's meant by the beginning was the end? Yes. Yes, the, the design flaw was in there. It's self-destruction time. Which is, all of this is, um, is very postmodern. Before, postmodern was a, a term that was That's why around. we embraced postmodernism when it became a term. And when people were calling certain artworks and literature postmodern and started talking about deconstructivism, we went, oh my God, well that's what we've been doing. And what we were doing was performance art. But I mean, performance art had been done since the beginning of the 20th century with fantastic shows, you know, by the constructivists, the Russian constructivists and the, uh, the, uh, the futurists in Italy and the surrealists in France. And there was Agiprop Theater out of Germany. And uh, all we were doing was that again. You know, the beginning of the 20th century really defined the 20th century. All the great people said everything that needed to be said right in the first two decades. And we were just bringing it back. Well, you're being interviewed not for a music show. You're being interviewed for a public affairs, political, progressive show. Mm -hmm. um, you're being taken seriously, and yet there seems to be this ongoing issue throughout your career, uh, the career of Devo, of not feeling like you've been taken too seriously. Is no, it, we, know, we know we haven't been taken seriously. Is it the medium, or is it the message? Is it the fact that it's music and pop? Or yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's it. In other words, we were the Rodney Dangerfields of rock and roll. We got no respect. Uh, people misinterpreted what we did. They, everything that we got criticized for is now de rigueur. That's what's funny. But the only reason people are interested in us now, 25 years after the fact, is because what was timeless and modern about what we did, what was right about what we did, what was valid about what we did, is more valid than ever. And what's interesting is 18-year-olds are downloading Devo. That's who our biggest group of consumers are now. That's who's coming to the shows. And they've rediscovered Devo. And they like it because they like the energy. They like the message. They like the fact of how the pieces of music fit together and how the words aren't the typical words about getting laid or losing your baby or wanting it all. And, you know. I want to remind listeners that we're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Jerry Casali yes. of Devo. And uh, let's now move into sure. the present sure. and uh, get get down in, oh, into the specifics. Um, you've got this saying on uh, some of your albums or one of your albums, your live album, that now the story can be told. Right. And Devo, although never disbanding and although not recording for, for some time, has 
decided that now the story must be told once again. Explain the, the current affairs, the social conditions, and the context of deciding that, you know, wow, we need to tell this story of de-evolution again. Well, you as an educator probably have experienced this and you should know this, is that just because there is a, um, an, a breakthrough or a, a conceptual uh, level that a society hits with terms of like, let's say, rule of law or bill of rights, it isn't a one-time thing where you state it and now people know it forever. There's always the forces of darkness and evil chipping away at it, wanting to take it away again. If you think that you don't have to restate things over and over and over, day after day, week after week, year after year, you're totally wrong. And we know that. We wrote freedom of choice is what you got. Freedom from choice is what you want when Reagan became president and embraced the right-wing Christians that started pulling the country in the wrong direction into the past and, and creating more and more misery for more and more people uh, where politics was always trumping science, always trumping the truth. It's how we got to where we are today with the education system decimated by Nixon and Reagan and then Bush, who's the coup de grace. He's the Armageddon president. He is the, the horrible, like, Shakespearean uh, uh, heights of of a fool running the Armageddon world. I mean, this man has brought total misery over the whole planet. The, the most powerful man on the planet being the most mean-spirited, menial guy on the wrong side of every issue that matters to the future of humans on the planet. The planet will be fine without humans, and he's hastening that. And we can see it now. He's created almost a, a, a corporate feudal state where it's just so cynical and so nasty, adding millions of people to the poverty line year after year, where the, when the drawbridge goes up at night, just like in medieval times, unless you're one of the chosen few that works for the king on the inside and polishes the uh, knight's armor, you're on the outside with bonfires and uh, gnashing of teeth. And all you have to do is look at the hurricane, uh, the Katrina, and see what's happened. First of all, this guy moves us into a bogus war with lies. It's completely wrong and illegal and wrong-headed. Spends all our resources, squanders all of our budget surplus, all of our men, all of our troops, sends them over there and can't take care, doesn't have the guts to take care of a natural disaster here that they all knew was coming. And why didn't they have anybody left? because of his wars. Why does he want his wars? We know, Halliburton and oil and all the rest of it that's so obvious. And plus almost like a Shakespearean feud with bin Laden, you know. It's, it's really frightening. And so here we are, there is no democracy. It's gone, you can forget it. Because once people don't understand, as I loop around back on myself, once they don't understand what the Constitution meant, the concepts behind how we got here in this country and what the Bill of Rights was, once they don't respect that, it all falls apart. It all cr the foundation crumbles like the bowl of uh, New Orleans filling up with water and crumbling. It's the same thing. You saw the thin veneer of civilization which is left in America where it's really every man for himself, every racial and ethnic group and economic group hates each other, is willing to go at each other at the drop of a hat. You know, you've got an SUV, moronic, backwards baseball cap, macho culture, posturing ass who act big and who are really insecure and, you know, 
penisly challenged and have to drive around in six, five, six mile a gallon SUVs, a blight upon the landscape, sucking up the gas and put themselves in the hole where there's no more bless oblige, there's no more America is great by, by its actions. It talks big and does the opposite and has become as dirty and filthy as any other corrupt regime in the world has ever been in the history of the world. And now, there we are, the supreme hypocrites riding roughshod over everything and all that's left to be proud of is how stupid everybody is. That's when you see those guys in the baseball caps all pumped up in their SUVs, they're proud to be stupid. That's what they think their rights entail is the right to be stupid, the right to be mean, the right to consume irresponsibly. That's the culture we have and it's a death wish. It's a Western death wish and they elected a guy that reflects them. It used to be that they elected people that represented an lifting them up and represented ideas, represented a possibility of where to go, not somebody that looked just like them and thought just like them. This, they created a monster and the monster has come home to roost. And New Orleans, you can see it. Guys, you know, what are they doing with four VCRs under their arms in waste deep water full of floating bodies and feet? Where, where, there's, no exactly. the there's no electricity, There's no electricity. No electricity for three months. But you see, they're beyond hope that there's no logic to it, of course. They are just finally doing what they were never able to do. It's just pure desperation and loss of hope. Well, how do you really feel? Um, one question that you know I think it should certainly be fair, it's, uh, I think it's important to critique um, all power, um, whether it's Bush, whether it would have been Kerry, whether it was Clinton or Gore or whomever. Um, well, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I, don't get me wrong, I'm not some like, uh, you know, liberal Democrat. Uh, of course. Well, my... I, I find them all repulsive. Right. And I, I find the Democrats missing in action, and I, I fault them for even letting the situation develop. It, exactly. Well, here's the question. The question is, does it take evil so personified, as we said, in this Shakespearean heights, this... this uh, Bin Laden versus Bush, this Hussein versus, does it require something that personified to, to wake people up? Are people uh, awake or are they in this state of somnambulance? You, you, know, you see, I, I, you know, I survived the Kent State Massacre. I was a member of SDS and was protesting the illegal expansion of the war into Cambodia that day. That's what the students were doing. And it was a trap. The National Guard was there, hidden on campus, ready. Nobody thought they had loaded rifles, but they, had, they shot tear gas at us, ordered us to disperse, said it was an illegal assembly, that the governor had given them the authority to declare martial law on campus. And when people said, basically, you, and they knelt the first row, stood in the second row like the Civil War, and just shot 32 rounds into the crowd randomly, killing four, wounding nine, paralyzing two for life, and only five of those kids belonged to any anti-war group. The rest were trying to hightail to the parking lot to get in their cars and get the hell out of there. Well, let's talk about this for a second. Now, that's when people cared. You right. see what I'm saying? That's when they knew that it was supposed to take an act of Congress. That's what they were protesting, something that they understood to be a principle of their government, that their own government was hypocritically defying. Uh, the same thing when Nixon was booted out of office for Watergate. People cared that the president lied and was complicit in a criminal scheme. Today, 
basically the stuff on Bush trumps all of that and nobody cares because they're just too busy going buying $120 pairs of tennis shoes with somebody's logo on them, some basketball star and wanting to be shills for the corporation wearing big logos. They, they, they have no consciousness. It's gone and they have not woken up and how they could not wake up is insane to me and then to put this guy in office a second time after he wasn't really elected the first time shows me that we were more right than we thought. It's over. You might as well kiss your ass goodbye. Well, that's, you know, I teach a class on civil disobedience at the campus, and I teach it very, and it's very difficult to teach because the students have this mindset that... That's a troublemaker. That's a troublemaker. The law is sacrosanct, even yeah. if the law is something like the Patriot Act, even if the law... Sounds like Germany, doesn't it? Exactly, and so... You, what is it that's different today? Is it the fact that we... The concept we... of democracy has been decimated through constant sound bites, through constant uh, um, destruction of the education system. And we jettison democracy in favor of pure capitalism because democracy made capitalism too complicated. So the Chinese will ultimately eat us because they never even had democracy and don't respect democracy, but they were smart enough to go, hey, this communism thing's not working for us. We like this material wealth. Let's just go to capitalism. They're practicing a better brand of it than we can because we're fettered with this past that we remember but don't practice anymore. So now you're going to have two capitalist countries that really are corporate feudal states where democracy is gone and the populace is ultimately controllable by mass psychology and fear. Uh, the fear. The fear manipulators are stronger than ever. And I mean, you can see that. I mean, uh, Fox News is the back pocket of the Bush administration and the neocons. And it works. Whatever they say over and over and over becomes true. And you watched it with the drumbeat up to the Iraq war, where when it first started, everybody was scratching their heads incredulously going, what is he talking about? Wait, wait, we just went into Afghanistan to get these guys from Al-Qaeda that bombed the towers, and now they're, they're setting up a war in Iraq. And you know damn well that the information that uh, just oddly enough can't be quite proven that they planned this thing you know, within days of 9-11, you know, you know it's true. You know it's absolutely true. You know the Downing Street memo is true. You know it's all true. All of which we've covered on the, the yeah. show, so the listeners yes. are quite... So, and, and yet the people think if you, if you tell them that, they think you're the bad guy, you're some kind of like commie radical idiot, you know, uh, 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 miscreant, and you're a troublemaker. See, because once it's the hive mentality, like capitalism in China, whoever sticks out, what's the old thing, whatever, the nail sticks out, gets whacked off, or so, whatever. Well, the you person know. who leads the army is the first one to get shot. Right. Uh, they forgot that it's their civic responsibility to, quote, make trouble when the issues matter. But this is something... This is, But conformity is something... I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to get at... You know, I find two of your most telling songs, Freedom of Choice, right. which we've talked about, which is straight out of intended or Eric otherwise, Fromm. Eric Fromm's Escape from Freedom, which yes. is a book that I assign, but also, and if, if I'm hearing the lyrics correctly, the song Patterns from right. Oh No, It's Devo, yeah. where, you know, there are all these patterns, but don't bother asking why the patterns it's aren't going to die. They're just going to keep going on and on. Yeah. Um, what's it going to take, then, to, to get people 
to awaken. I mean, February 15th was a day of global protest unseen since Vietnam, and yet we were probably all foolish to think that the madmen in the White House and the Pentagon would actually listen to us. What is it going to take? Or are we doomed no, no, to devolution? It's over. it's over. It's over. What's left is the hive. So you better get your white iPod and dance to the commercial. You know, um, it's over. It, it just clearly is. Well, assuming that Devo were to write a new album today. I would love to do that. Tell us some of your themes, or did you just tell us all of the themes that would be included? Well. First of all, musically, it would all, for me, it would all be, I, I have, okay, let me start over again. When we first started Devo, we were subverting like TV jingle kind of riffs and, and art rock from uh, uh, Captain Beefheart and, um, you know, mainstream guitar things and putting it all together and kind of spitting it back like if, if McDonald's got twisted and mute, mutated. Today, what we notice and, and are almost like mesmerized by is the slick news themes and anthems that come on associated with every, um, associated with, with every event, like whether it's the OJ trial or, the, or a murder, another murder trial or uh, a, a political event or a natural disaster. They come up with these themes, and the themes are always um, adjutants. Like if you hear the music, they rotate and they never rest anywhere. They're rotating progressions with a lot of chatter and a, and a lot of syncopated tones. And what we wanted to do is take the stylings from that kind of news theme cable music, the 24-7 news cycle music, and play it with big bass and drums and then write lyrics that completely run counter to that kind of music so that you're using the, the, the vocabulary and the sounds of 24-7 of cable news, you know, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, that everybody's got in their heads all the time and taking it, turning it inside out, putting it back at them. And, and, and these would be big dynamic songs, almost symphonic in nature live. So when can we expect it? Do you like that idea? I love that idea. Then I promise I'm going to do it one way or another. You heard it here first. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you've got lots of stuff, but um, Devo predicted the rise of consumerism, the society, the spectacle, the dumbing down of our culture, and all such things. Mindless conformity. Yes. Um, I don't know if this question becomes moot now that you've predicted <laughs> that it's all over. But well, it already what, happened. Yeah. But already, what other predictions do you have that uh, 30 years from now we could look back and see if you were right? I'll be dead 30 years from now, and I'm glad I will be. I, I don't like the future anymore. And I'm so glad that I have memories of a time where everything absolutely wasn't under corporate control and where there really were the possibilities of independent artists and do-it-yourself aesthetics and multiplicity. If I think about the that window in the 70s where there was like television and Blondie and Devo and The Clash and uh, you know the Ramones and the Damned, what I loved about it was that uh, there, there was reggae influenced music and 
strange punk music and techno stuff. It was all happening together, and people liked different things. And you could hear all those various things on one radio station. And there was just a, a nice degree of freedom. I mean, there just was. This was pre-AIDS. People used to have good time with sex and not worry about, am I going to die if I fuck? And uh, you could, uh, if, you, if you were late or sick for the airport and your friend wanted to go, you handed him your ticket. And he really could run like O.J. in the in the Hertz commercial to the gate. He just had to park there 15 minutes before. Uh, it, I mean, it was fantastic to even remember now what a taste of freedom is like as I'm taking off my shoes and my belt and bending over and getting the full cavity search, uh, you know. I mean, I've, I've herniated my back on this tour. And when we went to an airport, I, I was taken always for secondary screening because of my back brace, even though there's no metal in it. It put me through the whole thing, making my back hurt worse because I have to take my shoes on and off and put the back brace on and off. And they go through my bags and they separate you out from your stuff. And the last time I got my bag back, my $350 pair of prescription glasses weren't put back in the bag, but I didn't know it till I got to the gate. TSA never has any liability with that stuff. You get nowhere with them. And you're treated like basically like prisoners in a high security prison as soon as you walk into the airport. And I think psychologically, this is a bunch of like just a uh, show. I don't think it's doing one concrete thing, but what it is doing is getting people used to obeying, waiting in lines, doing whatever they're told with a guy from a badge. I mean, it's beautiful. It's Oh, thank you. Code. Thank I mean, you for bringing him up after I forgot. It's, it's discipline and, and, and getting accustomed to... Right. I mean, we now monitor each other. That's right. We don't need we don't need a big brother watching over us. We are big brothers. Correct. Everybody's their own... willingly yeah. partake yes. in, in yes. the nonsense yes. of having everybody assumed to be guilty which is exactly, we didn't need terrorism for, for this to happen. This was, terrorism sped it up. My girlfriend has an eight-year-old Labrador. She has a Volvo station wagon. She went to get coffees for her and I at Starbucks. She pulled into a parking space in Santa Monica, uh, rolled down the windows about two inches of the back windows, and left Velvet in the car long enough to go get coffees to go. She gets the coffees to go, comes out, and there are two women, Santa Monicaites, trying to call some animal person at the Santa Monica Police Department and using a hanger to open the door to let the dog out. They've decided that she's being cruel to this dog and that they were going to give it some water, but then the dog, not knowing them and having the, and trying to screw with the car, the dog starts barking at them. So then they... they start to verbally fight with her. She tells them basically to screw off, that it's none of their business, that even if they thought that, they had no right to try to breach her car and open the door. And she gets in the car and they stood in front of the car so that she couldn't move the car, still waiting for this animal person to come. So everybody's, everybody is a wannabe cop. And, and they've been empowered. And these people were neurotic and insane over the top. There was no problem here until they created one, and it got very ugly. So, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Well, to, to end this interview, despite the pessimism, this is a program about uh, social activism and about being the change. Um, what do you do 
uh, or what could you recommend to listeners who want to fight against the current political tide? God, I wish I had a recommendation. I mean, because again, it's so obvious what these people are about. And just today, uh, some FDA official uh, had to resign because they weren't going to allow this uh, this emergency contraception pill after it has been proven to be fine. But once again, politics trumping science, making us like a third world country. We're our own Taliban. We have a Taliban government in there. They're not protecting us from the Taliban. They're just substituting for the Taliban, using the fear of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda to work their anti-democratic policies. And I would have to say that it should be so obvious to everyone that there should be massive outrage and massive activism, and there is not. There is not about anything, about the deforestation policies, about the, 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 the denial of global warming policies, about the rights of women, medicine. It's, you, you just, it's a laundry list, and down the line, these people, these creeps, these Tom DeLays, these Bill Frist, these horrible Wolfowitz, Condoleezza Rice, this is a horror show. You would almost believe that underneath that human skin at night, it would be like Tim Burton's uh, Mars Attacks where the skin splits off and underneath is this monstrous alien gray, you know, like in the worst conspiracy theories. Well, Rumsfeld is a parody of Satan. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's just no question. It's amazing. And no, there's no outrage. I mean, it's so funny. We talk about, you know, Orwell and Big Brother and, and so forth. I mean, I love some of the, the subtleties of language. I mean, we still, I mean, no longer do we talk about third world nations. We talk about developing countries. But for how long are these countries <laughs> going to be developing? I mean, it's the year 2005, and we don't recognize that it's our own corporate policies of globalization that maintain the, the developing uh, the word developing and, and so on and so it's forth. It's insane how we use the poor here as expendable to go carry out the hypocritical policies of our government. Right. They're all dying in Vietnam and nobody cares here because it's a mercenary army. And we didn't even have the resources here to take care of our own people in New Orleans. Was that Freudian? Because you said Vietnam rather than Iraq. Oh my God, well there you go. There you go. It is Vietnam. It is Vietnam. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to non-corporate, independent <laughs> media. And uh, what is next for Devo? How many more shows do you have on the tour? Well, we have a couple shows in, in October that are uh, makeup shows for something that had to be canceled. And they're in Oakland at the Paramount and in San Diego at the House of Blues on October 8th and 9th, respectively. Great. Well, thank you very much, and good luck on the rest of the tour.